0: welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And uh, we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at at amazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. I feel happy. Isn't that great? I love being happy. Anyone else happy today? Is it the sun? Is it spring? I don't even know, but it is going to be a good thing. So, and I hope that the happiest parts of today are actually going to happen during this message as we hear from God. So uh, with that, I um, wanted to talk a little bit more about leadership. We're diving right back in. And uh, we actually uncovered something two weeks prior uh, that little kids maybe aren't the best leaders. That little kids have some developing to do in order to gain the traits necessary to be leaders. And this is true, especially for what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're talking about self-control. And here again, kids have a ways to go, and so do adults, by the way, and and where it is to lead to self-control and what it is to have self-control. I wanted to share with you an example of this. I uh, just uh, wanted to prove my point through a video clip. Uh, so here's a quick video about kids who don't always have self-control, and, and what, especially what they say. Wow, go to. My dad has a go My dad has diabetes. Honey, look at the size of him. They're bigger than you. They weigh about 2,000 pounds. What about you, mom? Much do you like? What are you gonna be on your next birthday? A duck. A duck? <laughs> I don't want a bicycle. I want a lipstick. Oh, you want a lipstick? Not a bicycle? Cool. What is it? <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> 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 oh boy, nothing like those things. Uh, give me a C. C. Give me an A. A. Give me a T. T. What does that spell? Dog. No. Broke. Can you say, I broke a dozen. I broke a dozen. On mommy's carpet. On mommy's carpet. And now who has to clean it up? You. Uh, no, I'd rather have the one that hasn't been eaten. Uh. Go. <laughs> Here. <laughs> Thanks. It's <laughs> so you get the point, right? I mean, it's the, it's the kid who should have said, thank you for the bicycle, but I wanted lipstick. It's the kid who heard, I don't want the, the cupcake without frosting, but with frosting. But he couldn't control himself, could he? Before he handed it over, he ate that frosting, didn't he? Um, this is what we see in kids. But is it what we see in adults? during presidential elections and primaries. And by the way, go vote. This is a great thing about our country. I'm not gonna take, don't ask me who to vote for, but just go vote. It's good to vote, use that right. But maybe in some of our debates, we see a lack of self-control, is that fair? Maybe in some of the reactions to the primaries, we see a a lack of self-control, is that fair? And maybe this isn't just a problem for people outside or on videos or running for president. Maybe it's even with us, let me ask you, when's the last time you suffered from foot-and-mouth syndrome? You know what foot-and-mouth syndrome is, right? It's asking the wrong question at the wrong time. It's asking or saying the wrong statement at the wrong time. And, and if you can relate to this at all, if maybe you've even thought of this this past week, this is not a new problem. In fact, we can actually take solace in the fact that this has been a problem for ages. I consider a Bible passage that proves this. Uh, there's a brother named James who wrote this about our, our, our speech and how we can't control our speech. Uh, look at what James says. He says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. And it's incredible, isn't it? We, we do that with dolphins, if you've ever been to the shed. Uh, with dogs, they can sit. With cats, kind of. Um, but anyway, um, but no man can tame the tongue, right? It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. In fact, James would go on to say, if you can control your tongue all the time, you're a perfect person. It's amazing, right? And so we struggle with this area of self-control. All of us could raise our hand and say, I know what it is to say the wrong thing, do the right thing, do the wrong thing. We, we can all relate. It reminds me of a conversation a reporter had with D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was an evangelist in the Chicago area, started a church in Chicago, great pastor. And he was once asked by a reporter, uh, out of all the people you deal with, who gives you the worst problems? You know, and and maybe the reporter was thinking, you know, is it the, have you ever had to cancel a murderer or is it the gossips? What what, what gives you the most problem? D.L. Moody said this, I've had more trouble with D.L. Moody than any man alive. Right? And what does he know? He knows all the times he wasn't controlled. He knows all the times he flew off the handle, said the wrong things, did the wrong things. He knows the struggle starts from within. And I want to let you know the same is true with us. If you want to be a leader, you need to confront the biggest problem, which is you. The biggest problem from becoming the leader you want to be is you. And it's me. It's me until we get past that we can't go forward at all we have to confront our own problems today when it comes to self-control that's what i want to talk about getting over ourselves once again and not pointing the finger at anyone else not circumstances or other people but getting over ourselves so uh john maxwell he uh, first fill in blank th- this is the point that you can't lead others until you lead yourself y- you can't give others what you haven't gained um, it has to start from within uh, another quote came uh, from his famous book, Developing the Leader Within. I'd highly recommend it if leadership's your deal. Um, if you want to manage someone, manage yourself. When you do that well, you'll be ready to stop managing and start leading. I remember when this uh, principle first hit me to my core. Um, I was straight out of seminary and I had the, 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 the task of starting a church. And I'm an idealist big time. Do we got any idealist dreamers, you know? So I got all that going on right here, and I'm just dreaming big. We're going to change the world. And again, the first book I was told to read by my mission counselor. First book was uh, from Stephen Covey called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I start reading, you know, the first practical book I'm reading. I open the cover, and I'm like, there's this chapter called Inside Out. Maybe anyone read the book? And inside out is this whole premise that you want to focus on the outward, that's gonna fail. Unless it actually starts from within, people will tell that your out is a fake. That that your outward appearance can't lead anyone because it needs to be who you truly are. And I gotta tell you, I was bummed. I really was. Because because I, I don't know if you can relate to this at all. I had a really good social mask. Like, I, I'm really good at social masks. Like, I, I can talk about the weather. I can smile. I can wink. I can say, how are you? You know, my social mask is good, right? You know, at least I think so. But then he said, but it has to be about you. And I'm like, I'm not even sure I like me. I'm not sure my wife likes me. I'm not, I'm not sure anyone else is going to like me. If this is going to start with me, we got a tough deal going on. And I'm still not there. <laughs> But the point is true. We can't lead others until we develop something from within. We can't give to others what we don't got. And we got to work then, not on anyone else. This sermon isn't for anyone else, but for you who is listening right now. And that's what we got to be real with. The realization D.L. Moody said when he. His biggest problem was himself, the the realization C.S. Lewis had when he said this about ourselves. C.S. Lewis said, he knows what a wretched machine you're trying to drive. And I love this because I'm a car guy. He's he's like, you don't got a a Porsche, you got a Pinto, baby. And and, and to drive that Pinto well without breaking down, it's it's a hard thing. That's what you're dealing with and that's what you're up against. So if you can relate to this on any level, I'm, I'm glad you're here. And if you can relate to this, I think there is hope and there is healing from the Word of God and that's what we want to get into. And and let me just speak to you if you're not a Christian once again. We just want to be flat out. Christianity is not about us getting it right. My goal finally isn't to become the greatest leader, but my goal rather is to believe in the greatest leader and to cling to him. And it's only with that assurance that the greatest leader named Jesus died for me and got it right for me that I can actually continue on. It's only through his power and his love that I can continue on. And it's with that perspective we talk about leadership. Knowing that wherever we are on the wavelength today, it's all right. Because through faith in the perfect leader, we're forgiven and given another shot. But with that, let's look at what he's doing today. Uh, He's on the way to the cross. He's in the midst of the passion. And uh, he's in court right now. And, and while he's in court, a little bit about this, they're saying oh, all bunch of false accusations against him. They're trying to make anything stick so that they can crucify him, so that they can get rid of him, so they can kill him. Well, in the midst of this injustice, Jesus answers and he's treated a certain way and we'll see kind of the interaction during this kangaroo court, this false accusation court, uh, this setup. So let, let's read from John 18. It said, Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face or gave him a blow. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Can you imagine the king of kings being treated so unfairly and not striking back and not speaking back the incredible self-control under unfair circumstances under the 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 worst depression and, and, and yet he keeps it all together this is what we want to learn from this is what we hope to be by god's grace let's continue um So it's no uh, question that I'm a movie buff and I I love certain movies and uh, every now and then I love a good revenge story. And maybe I shouldn't even admit that, you know, but there's something satisfying about a revenge story, which is why one of the satisfying movies that I've ever watched uh, was this movie, The Count of Monte Cristo. Has anyone ever read this, seen this? The movie was so good they made a book out of it. Um, That's my bad joke. And uh, anyway, it's the story of Edmund Dantes. And Edmund Dantes, this guy right here, was a sailor, and he was about to get married to the love of his life until the enemy blew it all up. The enemy accused him of being a traitor. And because that accusation came through and was believed, he is then sent to spend life in prison at the Chateau d'If which is the worst of the worst circumstances, not treated well there. It looks like Alcatraz to me. But anyway, um, he's spent there to spend the rest of his life, life in prison, all because of the enemy who screwed things up for him, the enemy who would also take his love interest and marry her and and blow up his career, blow up his romance, everything. Now, that could have been the way the story ended, with him just dying, rotting in the Chateau d'If. but it's not how it ended, is it? And what is so satisfying about this movie is how he meticulously plans and acquires his revenge. So he gets out of prison, he has an escape plan, and he exacts revenge on this guy. What does he do? Blows up his career. Blows up his business plan, just like what happened to him. What does he do with the romantic interest? Takes her back. Blows up the relationship so that it doesn't go well. And so what's satisfying because I'm a base person, is the revenge involved in how it comes through. And why is revenge satisfying? Let's just be real. I think it's so satisfying because we have an innate sense of justice. We have an innate sense that if, if something wrong happens, there should be consequences. If I'm hurt, something should happen. We have this innate sense that, 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 that wrong shouldn't be tolerated. Now, as I consider the story of Jesus I wonder what if Jesus was more like Edmund Dantes for example let's look at verse 22 what, what is the, the the height of what he's dealing with here at, at least in this portion it says when Jesus said this one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face now as we know Jesus is there anything in you that wants to see Jesus slap him back Is there anything in you that wants to see him use his authority and get him back? I wonder what would it look like if if Jesus was more like Edmund Dantes. I mean, go through the passion. As we consider the story, what if when he was in the garden, instead of telling Peter he could call down legions, he did it. And then the angels just terrified him and just wiped him out, right? What if when he was on trial, he's like, you're kidding me? These stories don't make sense. This isn't even logical. And he got out of it because of his brilliance. What if as he was taken to Herod, and Herod wanted him to dance and to entertain him through miracles? What if he flipped the script and said, Herod, no, you're going to be my puppet, dance? What if every time he was beaten, he beat back? If when he was mocked, he mocked back, and when he was crucified, he just wiped and zapped everyone out? What if Jesus did this? Well, we wouldn't be here, and we wouldn't have a reason to rejoice, that's one thing. But it's also not what he did. But I wonder, how much of his passion was not doing what he felt innately maybe he should do? How much of his passion and suffering was overcoming the temptation to get back when he definitely could? How much did he struggle with that? And this is what we know finally as I bring up the example. I'm leading to a point that finally self-control is doing the opposite of what you feel. According to his humanity, did Jesus know the injustice of that slap? According to his humanity, did he know the injustice of what all was going on during the Passion? He definitely did, and he felt that. But what he did out of self-control was the opposite of what he felt. So now in our lives, how much do you operate by this? Feelings? I don't need to raise a hands, but how much would you internally say, I am driven by my emotion? Emotion, my friends, is a tricky thing. And emotions lie, and emotions tell you a story that may not be the truth or may not be the right thing to do. I was reading more about this uh, through John Maxwell, who is setting up the dichotomy of being emotionally driven or character driven. And he had different things to say. If you're driven by emotions, this is what's going to happen. If you're driven by emotions, here are some things. Um, The first thing is this, that first you'll feel good and then you do right. So you're having a good day, the sun is shining, you feel all rosy. Then maybe I can go and do what I know I should do because I feel good first. They're convenience driven. It's in my way, I can do it, so why don't I do it? It's right here anyway. Um, Emotion driven, you ask, what are my rights? Just say, what's in it for me? What can I claim? And finally, quit when problems arise because if the emotions are there, the awkwardness of a problem, the pain of the problem gets you away from what the solution is. Whereas character-driven, let's look at the other side of the coin. Character-driven people can do this. They can first do right, then feel good. Under discipline. They can also be driven by commitment rather than how they're feeling about it, that they agreed to do something. They ask, what are my responsibilities? And they're held accountable. That's okay for character-driven people. And finally, they continue even when it's hard, even when it doesn't feel good. If there's awkwardness involved into it, they say, I'm sticking in because that's what I was called to do. But as you relate to these different things, how do we get from emotion-driven to Again, the character driven. How do we change if we're seeing, you know, where we line up from one side to the other side? I don't know how it's possible without Jesus. And maybe, you know, those without can tell me how they try to do this because I don't know how to get past it until I look at the Savior who loves me because what Jesus does, it's not natural. It doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel good. What he does, though, is so wonderful because he didn't seek what he felt. He sought redemption. He sought what was good for us. And so we look at Jesus and we see he doesn't slap back We see that the king of kings wears a crown of thorns. We see that the author of life is crucified and gives his life. We see all of this and why. I have a Bible passage for you. Here's why. So he could do this. So he could treat us not according to what our sins deserve or repay us not according to our iniquities so that we don't have to get what we deserve because the truth is if Jesus is Edwin Dantes, we're in trouble. The truth is, if we're um, the ones who, who again, uh, beat Jesus, we're the ones who mocked him, we're the ones who are accountable for his death, and if he gets revenge, we are in trouble. But he doesn't do this. He sought the opposite for us, not what we deserve. And why? Because of his love. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. This is the love we have today. You and I don't have to fear the wrath of God over sin. It was paid once for all. You and I can live in limitless love and always go back to a Father who's going to forgive us and a Jesus who loves us and has open arms. And what a great thing that is. And how does this help us with our own self control? Well, we're fueled by the gospel. Because the truth is, I'll always want to do what comes natural. I'll always want to argue for my rights. I'll, argue, I'll want to argue how that was unfair, how it doesn't feel good, until, until I understand that's not what God did for me. That he put his feelings down, that he didn't do what's natural. He didn't seek our revenge, but our redemption. And we'll always want to get back until we see Jesus didn't do that for us. But this doesn't come naturally, this lesson. And it reminds me of a subject, all the things that we need to be taught to understand. And and here my mind goes to golf, if you go with me here. Any golfers in the building? Golfers. And if you're a golfer, maybe you know what this is for. It's a strange looking tool. And uh, I remember the first time I saw this tool in use, um, I was uh, a golfer in, in grade school. We had this summer membership where you could golf every day for like 50 bucks during the summer and it was awesome. And I remember one of my buddies, he had a fantastic shot. He shot it so long that it landed on the green and it made a divot on the green. And I'm like, holy cow, that was the best shot I saw. It was like awesome, you should get like an award just for the shot, it landed on the green from far away, that's awesome. And then I saw him do something weird with this thing. Do you know what he did? He replaced his divot. See, the ball came from so far away that it actually met a dent in the green that it was on. And so he replaced his divot. He lifted the ground up. And I'm like, this is so weird. I would have put a flag by that divot. I would have been like, Dustin did that. You know, I, I'm the one who did that. If anyone knows, I'm a great golfer because I made a divot. Hit it from, you got the point. But no, he replaced his divot. And you need to be taught to do that because it doesn't come naturally. What we're talking about in self-control will not come naturally until you know this is what you're supposed to be. It's kind of like kids. How many things do kids do until they're taught, no, that's not what should happen? We're the kids today. And today we need to hear again, you shouldn't just act on what you feel. You shouldn't be driven by your emotions. You should rather be driven by the love of Christ, which is so unfair in a good way. He says, go out and be unfair in a good way. Be unfair to people in a good way. That's what I did for you and that's what self-control is all about. But we wouldn't get it unless we look at Jesus. But there's another problem with self-control that I want to be real with. Next point. It hurts. See, part of the reason this isn't easy or natural is because it hurts to be self-control. It's like there's a burning. There's like a there's like it's tense. And some of the reason is because we can't and and shouldn't act on what we feel. And another reason is because legitimately many times we've just been hurt. We wouldn't have to be self-controlled if we weren't just hurt. And this leads me to the subject of what do we do with pain? What do we do with pain? And I would admit to you that I don't handle pain so well and I'm not sure how you do. And I'm not sure our whole country handles pain so well because they're in this pursuit of happiness over everything else. We're trying to escape pain. And think of all the unhealthy ways we can try to escape pain. Uh, some might un- uh, try to escape pain through pleasure, and so maybe it's a, you know a shopping spree. Maybe it's unhealthy pleasure. Uh, maybe it's uh, a pleasure like alcohol and drinking too much. Maybe it's uh, a pleasure of drugs and the escape that that brings. Maybe it's a pleasure of pornography. Maybe it's a pleasure of whatever it is, acting on impulse. So many times, we try to just get away from the pain and escape it. Is that true? Can you relate to this? But that's not the answer for pain. In fact, do you know that pain is actually good for you? Because pain is communicating something. I came across a great way to handle pain as I was reading the Psalms this past week. I was reading from David who was in a ton of pain many times. He was always under attack. He had bad relationships, bad family problems. And this was a psalm when he was in distress. And look how he handles pain. These were his words. He said, Tremble. Tremble. Fear the Lord. Don't overreact. And do not sin. Because what would sin do? Sin would just add problems to pain. It would just add pain on top of pain. Don't sin when you're on your beds. Rather, search your hearts. Be silent. Endure. Offer sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. What are the sacrifices of the righteous but a broken heart, a broken spirit, and prayer? My friends, I wish we as a collective Christian body would endure during pain. That's my prayer for you. To endure during pain. Is it easy? No. Does it hurt? Yes. But endure the pain because pain is teaching you a lesson. When you don't have pain, you don't know the problem. Pain poises, or opposes the problem. For example, sometimes the pain is saying, I better confront them because they hurt me. And if I don't confront them and I try to eliminate the pain, it's going to blow up to a bigger problem. Sometimes the pain is telling us, you've got to change. And until you change, you're going to experience the pain over and over again. So you better change, and that's what the pain is communicating. I just wish we would endure the pain with the help of God. It's a better response. It's what leads us to self-control. But a final point as we close today. And the final point is that I don't think this is the first time Jesus held it all together. In fact, I know it's not the first time Jesus held it all together. If you look at his ministry, many times he was with disciples who were just Let's be honest, idiots. Uh, They didn't know what was going on. They didn't get it right. And he didn't fly off the handle. He was with Pharisees who got the whole religion thing wrong and he keeps it all under control. He's with uh, people in his hometown who want to kill him and he keeps it all under control. He doesn't fly off the handle. And and what I see is this isn't the first time he was self-controlled. It was a pattern. And so the final point about self-control, learning from Jesus, is this. Self-control is developed in the slow cooker, not the microwave. It comes over time. Reminds me of a great sandwich I had. Went to the French market downtown Chicago, a place called Lily Q's. That was a great beef sandwich. I don't know how long they cooked it, but I could tell it was slow cooked. Good stuff. And what is it about that, that food that is slow cooked, that is so good, that is so tender, that is so juicy, that is so awesome? The same is true with good character. It's a slow process. Reminds me of uh, sports, and I'm missing football. I'm jonesing for football here. Uh, Reminds me of uh, this catch. Anyone remember this catch? And you might say, well, that just happened in an instant. He was immortalized in an instant. And last year, if you had him on your fantasy team, man, you had a good team. Anyway, but um, Odell Beckham Jr., he he may have caught that in an instant, but he developed the technique over time. Do you know that that day he was practicing one-handed catches in the end zone? That day he was practicing so that if that would happen, he could actually do it. It didn't come overnight. He was developing and working on it over time. The same is true for who you and I want to be in the Lord. You can't wake up tomorrow and be completely different, but you can develop it over time by the power of God. Back to John Maxwell. He was saying that when it comes to gifts and talents, they're so often given. Gifts and talents are given, they just are in an instant by the Lord. But character, (laughs) character is a choice. If you meet someone who is good, who is kind, who is patient, you know they slow cooked that baby. And you know the good essence they're giving is because they've been slow cooking for a while. They didn't just wake up that way. What if we chose to be the same? What if we said, There were some habits I want to develop today? This is what I would propose to you. A couple more quotes. Bad habits, what we want to develop or get away from, are easy to develop and hard to live with. Whereas good habits, they're hard to develop and it will take time, but they sure are easy to live with. And so let me ask you, what are the habits you're choosing to develop? It's one thing to go out and say, I'm going to exercise or eat healthy, but, Church of God, what do we want to be? Let's be like Jesus. Let's continue to ask that the Spirit would so work in us so that we could be self-controlled. So that we don't just say whatever comes to mind or we don't just act on how we're feeling. Rather, we act with a conscientious decision to be like Jesus. And with that, let me pray for you and let us ask God's help to do this. We pray. Heavenly Father, we confess all the times we haven't been under control and we confess how lost we'd be without you. Thank you that Jesus stood in our place and that he was self-controlled and collected for all the times we couldn't be. Thank you for forgiveness. Now fill us with your spirit, which is a spirit of power and self-control, and continue to conform us to your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.